Prosopagnosia, the inability to recognize faces, occurs in up to 2% of the population. Most people struggle with it alone, unaware it even has a name. The stories in this podcast can be painful and hilarious. Join us for an exploration of the people, science, and realities of this condition. Maybe you have a hard time remembering faces. Come for the stories, stay for the coping techniques. Our guests today are the creative team behind a comic book called The Pale. The Pale opens in a small town near Navajo Reservation. After the local sheriff finds a mutilated dead body, which is fairly unusual for that town, a face-blind FBI agent shows up, uh, and he appears to be running an off-the-books hunt for a serial killer. Uh, There seems to be a supernatural element waiting to be revealed to me, uh, and though it's called a comic book, The Pale plays more like an adult horror or drama story to me. Jay and Sanders Fabre, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having us. <laughs> uh, well, you both have the same last name. So you are a, a married comic book writing couple. Yes. Yep. It has its benefits, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and disadvantages, maybe. <laughs> um, I know there's a huge culture around comics. Um, I mean, there's whole events called Comic-Con that people go to. So um, I am uh, not really part of that culture, but it's been really cool, uh, you know, getting a little bit of exposure to it through your uh, book. You call it a book in the comic book world, right? Yeah, it's a comic book. Um, We refer to it as we're working on our book. So um, yeah, that works. Yeah, some people refer to them as graphic novels and graphic novel is kind of like this broad term that came to be in like the 60s and 70s. Um, I think partially as a way of trying to give comic books a little more uh, legitimacy um, to kind of equate them with novels. Um, But but really a graphic novel is just a comic book or a a book which has like sequential comic art inside of it. Mm -hmm. So we we, we tend to refer to ours as a comic um, ongoing comic book. um, Yeah. So long form. (laughs) Yeah. I think uh, the last time I read a comic book, I was probably between the ages of eight and 10. It was a, a Hulk. There was, you know, Smash, you know, the old uh, Bat, you know, Bam, Zoom, Batman style kind of comic books. This was a long time ago, right? So <laughs> I think things have evolved quite a bit since then. And um, yeah, I, I sort of envision that I am maybe not totally in tune with what comic books are today. However, I've, just last night finished watching the last episode of Preacher, which I understand is a really famous comic book turned into a TV series. It is a very famous one. It's really good. You should check that out. No, I mean, yeah, the comic series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The comic book. Um, yeah, it's comics. I think you'll find uh, there's something for everyone in comics. There's, no matter what genre you're into, if you're into history, uh, science fiction, uh, the human condition, um, you'll find a comic book for it. So a lot of people, I think, um, look at comic books as, oh, superhero stuff like that you mentioned. But there's so much more to it. And, um, yeah, you'll find whatever interest you have. There is a comic book for it. 
Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, society um, lately has kind of viewed comics as uh, for kids to an extent, but, um, and they always have been for kids, uh, but like sequential art goes back to like the, you know, Egyptian times, cave paintings, like before we had movies, uh, before, before motion pictures came on the scene 130 years ago, roundabout, um, our only way of um, having a visual, a visual narrative was uh, through comic sequential art. And so, um, you know, even though there were comics for kids, um, there was always comics, you know, like Tales from the Crypt or like um, the crime pulp comics or even like uh, superhero comics like Iron Man um, had themes about alcoholism and things like that, which were more geared toward more mature audiences, too. So and yeah. and like the X-Men, the X-Men was a commentary on homophobia, like in the 60s and 70s. You know, um, the X-Men were different and uh LGBTQ community were different. So there's a lot of things that comics can address and mirror from reality. So there's like the parallels are, um, you can see them reflecting, you know, each other, I think. I just see an explosion in the last, you know, maybe 10 years. This is my perception of, you know, movies and TV shows that originated in graphic novels, you know, like The Walking Dead, I never hear, I've never heard anybody refer to it as uh, a comic book, though. They always, at least when I recall this, would say would introduce it as from the graphic novel, The Walking Dead. Yeah. And so yeah. someone, I think there must be in your world some distinction between those two, maybe camps around that. Uh, I'm just guessing. Um, I think uh, Sanders kind of alluded to it earlier that graphic novels kind of a umbrella term <laughs> for comic books that have, um, that have been collected. So, um, I think that's kind of like what, where, where that term graphic novel is, but as far as like pop culture and, uh, taking from comic books, you have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They were a comic book and Men in Black was a comic book. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, Howard the Duck, <laughs> the eighties <laughs> version was a comic book. So like, I think comics have always been with us, um, but it, it has not seen the new explosion, like you said, within the past like 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has become very mainstream, like even more so than Tim Burton's Batman in the 80s and stuff. So, Some of this discussion at the beginning here is really laying the groundwork for sort of explaining your work to um Others who I assume are like me that don't have much of a background in comic books. Um, I wanted to have like a little remedial lesson here at the beginning. But, you know, as a newbie coming to it, I've completed, um, you know, all the issues that you've uh, released so far. One of the observations that I made, you know, looking at it with fresh eyes is, all right, this reminds me a lot of uh, storyboards that, are used in every movie that's ever been made pretty much and probably TV shows. I'm not sure about that, but you know, but it, you know, the thing that occurred to me uh, as I wrapped up the, uh, the latest issue was, you know, a, a picture's worth a thousand words, right? So you've got all these different mediums for telling a story. You could be telling the same story, right? And then um, in written form, you have to spend a lot more words to create the visual uh, scene in someone's mind. Uh, 
if you're watching a movie and that takes a lot more words, right? Which is why books are long, you know, a movie might attempt to tell most of that story in a two hour movie, mm-hmm. a comic book, um, seems to me like it's even less, uh, than what a movie requires to tell the story, but I'm not sure I got that right. What do you think? You want to tackle that one? Um, Sure. I mean, I think that comics definitely, it's a def- different medium than movies and you have to write for a certain, um, in certain ways that make uh, the narrative flow, f- flow, such as like writing for the page flip. You know, you want to leave the the page, at the end of the page, like wanting the reader to turn that page. So you kind of have to craft the narrative into that way. Um, but they're very much like storyboards, um, you know, because you're, you're trying to progress the plot through, and you're trying to be very selective about the um, the shots that you take. Uh, so so there's the, the the flow of the um, of the visuals making sense to the reader. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know something that Jay is really good at is having this very like cinematic um, perspective on like you know different shot choices. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. And I also think that comics are in itself it is its own medium because a lot of the uh experience from the reader plays into their experience so to go from like one panel to the other the the reader has to make the connections like they're they see the time shift like if you have a character who's walking from here to here and the time of day changes you as the reader understand and know that time has passed so your your experience you experience a comic book very differently than i would say a movie or a tv show because there's a lot more um involvement from the reader and Mm -hmm. that's why it's kind of similar to books in a way like Mm -hmm. people reading a novel have to read and visualize stuff in their head we're giving you those clues and those cues in in the comic and you're filling in the blanks. Yeah, as a comic book reader or a new comic book reader or novice, um, I I know ex- I can envision exactly what you're talking about here because you can imagine like okay, if you're reading a book, um, and maybe you're getting a little tired or something, or or maybe you just you know didn't quite catch uh, a fact that was relayed that becomes important a paragraph later, you might flip back and read you know, go find that past passage and read it really quickly to catch up. I found with the comic book on the page, more so on a single page, I found that, you know, I might look at a block, uh, get down to the next block, realize, Ooh, I think I saw something like, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but there was like, mm, let's just say a, a creature or something hiding in one corner uh, of a pay of a, of a block that I didn't notice the first time through. And then my eye caught it as I was at the bottom of the page and then I went back. And then as you do that a few times, your eyes scan back and forth between the blocks. I think it's asynchronous with time, but uh, it's like a different way of consuming media. Yes. Yes. And it's, and I, and I love it. I, I, I think next to movies, it's my favorite medium. So and in movies, you can't go back at all, right? It's linear. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, movies, it's just a different form of escapism where movies, you can kind of sit back and let the movie happen and, and, and take it in. But in comics, you're very, um, you're a participant in it. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to, you know, really be 
filling in those blanks, like Jay said, about what's happening. And you're kind of like thinking more about, okay, well, what, what happened back here? What happened? What's going to happen next? And um, uh, what does, you know, this mean? And, and really reading, reading the text really, it's like a book. It's like a right in between a book and a movie. Yeah. How many comic books have you written together as a husband, wife team? Uh, this is our first one. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding. We, okay. So have you individually written comics before? No, no, we haven't. You're kidding me. No, it's um like I, we've done like a joke. Like we had a joke that we drew and wrote like eight pages of, but it was just a joke. Like I didn't really consider it anything. And then I drew something about a cat. Like that was four pages. Yeah. So this is our first um, collaborative, long form. It has meaning and depth comic. Yeah, we, there's there's been a lot of um, you know ideas we've had over the years, but this was the one that really like jumped out at us as like, okay, we we have to do this, or we're never going to forgive ourselves for not doing it. So we're just going to commit to it and and jump right into it. Mm-hmm. So all right. So um, one of my questions is: this thing has been going on for several years now. When did it? When when was the first issue? Um, the, well, the first issue dropped in October of 2015 and I'll, and I'll say it like it was a page. So, um, because I was still learning comics at the time, um, we were posting one page at a time on our website, but, um, right now, like before, um, when something is posted, like chapter seven starts next Tuesday, the whole chapter is done right now. So um, like we've, we developed a, um, a schedule, a production, like we learned how to work together because <laughs> that was a big thing. And um, yeah, like it's, it's kind of, it was kind of slow going cause we were in the learning process, but like the concept started in 2013. So like it takes a, you know, some production time and then discovering and finding out exactly how we want to present this information and these characters. And um, I think because of life events, that's why it kind of, it's taken a little while, but we're, we're really going faster now. Yeah. I, I think, you know, there's no one right way to do this, especially when it's a collaborative effort. It's something you have to really learn you know, when you hit the ground running and you're just kind of trying to figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, we were trying all different sorts of writing programs, you know, um, like I, I was used to using like final draft, or like screenplays and that type of thing. But that doesn't work as well when it comes to like wanting to both see the document at the same time and both be able to edit it um, on the fly. So eventually we went, in, we went to Google Docs for that. And that was like the best way for us to be working on it simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just it's just been a learning effort. You know, the first few years were just trying to figure out how do we make this happen faster, easier, better. Yes. So, well, you know, podcasters have this rule that, uh, you know, you need to pick your frequency and be doggedly rigid about sticking to it. Um, I kind of don't do that, but, <laughs> but I was shocked as I started reading. I went back to the very beginning and I'm clicking the, you know, your website is great. You can read this whole thing online. There's a little arrow down at the bottom just to, you know, move through all the episodes. I'm also, you know, 
this is totally binge worthy. Uh, so I'm not sure how I'd feel about having to wait a week. You know, like I got, I got to get the main line of this whole thing, uh, in a very short period of time, but yeah, you have, you do it. What is it? Every week there's a new release every two weeks, uh, every week, every Tuesday, mm-hmm. it, just like clockwork. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I like being able to schedule it out and it's going to take, it's going to take us to April 1st, this chapter and hopefully by then I have three more chapters done and um, we've done Kickstarters so people can like buy the physical copies of it. And um, if people don't want to wait for the one page a week, I, I always offer the chapter um, in full um, before that chapter starts. So chapter seven is available to purchase as a PDF. As a PDF. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't want to wait, you know, support the comic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's get into this. Uh, your um, main character is an FBI agent. Um, I, his name is uh, Ink, but it, it, it was his first name. It's um, Franklin. Franklin. So uh, his, his friends call him Fink, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And his FBI buddies are aware that he's face blind. But I think they're also aware that he's just a, a pretty out there guy in general. That might be the least uh, interesting thing about him, at least so far. Like he speaks 30 languages. Yeah. 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 He's um, a polyglot. And um, yeah, he's linguist. He's a linguist. He's a translator and he's a birder. So he's pretty he's eccentric, but he's also shy. So. Yeah. I, I thought he might be a little autistic too. Did I pick up on that correctly? Um, we're, I was wondering if he was somewhere on the spectrum and I would say he's on the spectrum like Sherlock Holmes might be on the spectrum, you know? So um, I don't know um, how much so he is. I, I think he's emotionally intelligent. He could read people. Um, I think he's just shy because he's face blind and you know how that (laughs) can kind of play into things for him okay before we get too much into the story what led you to have a face blind character in the first place um i love fbi agents so Mm -hmm. i i grew up um, in the nineties, uh, watching the X-Files, um, as I got, and I loved Science of the Lambs. So I always had this like soft spot for the, the FBI agent. And, um, years later, um, I was watching and I knew of face blindness cause I saw it in like arrested development or something. And it was always a gag. It was a joke, but, um, I saw an episode of Hannibal, Right, season one of Hannibal, it had an episode where someone was face blind and they witnessed Hannibal, you know, doing his Hannibal thing on someone. And when he turned around, you saw a blank face, like completely, like there was no face at all. And and I knew that wasn't correct, but I also liked the idea that, oh, there's a killer and you can't see who it is. And I know there's a movie that does that, um, Faces in the Crowd, horrible. Terrible movie, yeah. (laughs) Horrible, but, you know, like the concept, like the concept was there. And um, I just, it like, the minute I saw that image, like a light bulb went off, I knew 
His name was Franklin Inc. I knew he was an FBI agent and I knew he was face blind. And I ran upstairs and I drew a little character in a sea of smiley faces. Like that was like the best way to interpret someone who isn't face blind in a comic medium. Like what it what it's like, you know, like um, you look and you, people kind of look the same. They look generic, you know, like I, I to tell the story of a face blind person in the comics medium is also something I never seen before. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just kind of made sense. And then, then we started developing the story and then here we are. (laughs) So it's interesting that you bring up uh, that horrible movie and, um, (laughs) and I loved Hannibal, but I can't believe I missed that. I don't, I'm going to go back and look at this. I can't remember that episode, but um, in general, if people, you know, even know have heard of face blindness or represented in anything public. Um, often there is that immediate mistake that you didn't make, which is, oh, they actually can't see faces. Like if I, like I'm looking at the two of you now as we record this, I can absolutely see your faces, and I I know what a nose and an eye is. It's it's not like a smudge, <laughs> and that's the way they, that's the way present they present that, and and, and maybe um you know, I can cut some slack because how would you convey that, you know, in, in a visual medium, yeah. you know, you could convey it, I think in text more easily than you could in visual. Yeah. And, you know, and so I was uh, a little skeptical as I started reading this because I knew before I started reading that neither one of you are face blind. Correct. And so I was a little worried that, you know, Oh, we were going to fall into that trap. Yeah. And there was an early on, there was, um, what, what do you call it? A, a, I'm calling it a block. What, what would you call an individual section of a comic? It's a panel. A panel. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So I was looking at one panel and I noticed that um, all the faces had had nothing. They were just completely blank. Mm-hmm. And, and then, but I knew that the character who was face blind wasn't in that scene at all. We hadn't even introduced him yet, I don't think, at that point. And... Oh. Um, and then every once in a while, I'll see a panel like that. But I don't think that has anything to do with the face blindness bit. And in all the scenes so far that I can recall with Agent Inc. or Fink, mm-hmm. um, he clearly can see, or at least you're representing all the faces with their full detail. Um, and what you do see subtly, which I like, is he's you know he's an FBI agent, so he's got a flip book. He's always taking notes. And I read those notes and I'm, and I, and, and you actually like you, he, he's writing down the things that I would write down like, Oh, okay. Curly hair. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, when I was researching, um, it, I would go to the Reddit forums, which is, you know, hit and miss, but, um, like I was trying to watch and consume as much information as I can on face blindness. So, you know, Oliver Sacks is at 60 minute in, minute interview, um, anything on YouTube. That's how I actually discovered that faces in the crowd. Cause I never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. And I watched it on YouTube. And um, what, what I liked about his notebook is that it also plays into his bird watching because a lot of birders, like keep notes on what they've seen, like field notes. So him being a birder, a law enforcement person and a face blind person, like it made sense to have that little notebook and what would he write down? And uh, I think also being an artist, you 
we pick up on what um, makes people unique, you know, like, oh, curly hair, goatee, a freckle. And um, that's something that Fink would totally like see. So, yeah, I love the notebook. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think you're you're treating it right. The other thing is, and, and maybe this will change, but, um, you know, OK, I, I started reading this because it's a comic book with a face blind character. Like, OK, I have to read it, you know, and so I'm reading through it. Um, and right away, I noticed that at the beginning, you know, he and his friends uh, or he and his uh, fellow agents talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just I mean, I, I think maybe if he had a, a wooden leg or something, they might comment about his wooden leg, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, or if he had a mohawk haircut choice, you know, like they it, it might get touched on occasionally, mm-hmm. but it's not the central focus of his relationship with other people. So as I'm reading the comic book, though, it, you know, I, I got absorbed into the story, which is a really good sign. And um, I noticed that face blindness doesn't seem to actually be part of the plot. And maybe that's going to happen later, but it's five years in and it's still not part of the plot, really. It's just like um, an interesting thing about the main character. It it could be that he's, you know, bald and has an axe wound scar and, uh, you know, but in this case, he's a birder uh, who's face blind and speaks 30 languages. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's definitely going to play more um, into it. Uh, like we kind of hint every now and then, um, oh, remember, he's still face blind. Like when he um, is talking to the sheriff and the Navajo officer, he's explaining the case that he's been tracking for years. And for a split second, he says, do you think you could recognize those people who um, took the body? And the sheriff, you know, says yes. And he's like, good. Okay, good. Because he and, and I have a shot where he looks at them and you see his little smiley face thing that we have. And um, it's definitely going to play a part as we get further in. Um, right now, I, I would say like it's more setting up what the scenarios are and then you're going to see how those characters come into play. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't want the face blindness to be something that like defined him right off the bat. Like we didn't want this to just be, Oh, it's a book and our, our main draw is that he's face blind. We want to just be a part of his character. And we knew through um, researching on the proso pages that a lot of times, you know, people don't like to share that they're face blind it's kind of something they hold close to them and don't share with people. So we wanted that to kind of be, um, since he's going to a new town, we wanted that to kind of, you know, we want the audience to know that he has face blindness in the first issue, but obviously in the, in the next issues where he meets people, it's not something he's advertising to them, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something that plays into um, his, his past where he's been tracking this killer um, so, and also it's going to play a big role in the future, um, when it's something that he has a little bit more trouble, um, hiding from them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely, definitely more to come on that. Yeah. It's a slow burn waiting for that, but I got to say, you know, I'm, I'm intensely interested to see how you're going to treat that. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> um, well, it, 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 it does take place, um, partly on a, uh, in a, Mer- a native American reservation, uh, partly in a town just bordering it. Um, are, are either of you Native American? No, I'm no. I'm Polish and Filipino, so I'm very not. <laughs> yeah, my background is is 
Basque from way back, but I'm pretty much a white dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and so when Agent Fink, uh, you know, jumped into your mind, fully formed as a prosopag music, uh, bird watcher who speaks 30 languages and is an FBI agent. Uh, did you also envision him uh, in and around uh, Navajo Reservation? I I knew that he was going to be in the desert, and I was researching um, mythologies from different cultures, and the desert and the Navajo. You know, <laughs> that's where they're at. And I think in in the small town feel. I love cowboys as well. So I think. Eventually, I got to there, and because of the mythology that we're kind of um, looking at, kind of dictated and pushed like where the story would be. Like it made it made sense. Yeah, I, I always wanted to do a, a murder mystery, something like that, based in the Southwest because I actually lived in Arizona for six years, uh, Tucson for four years, Phoenix for two years, and I just always thought the area was um, really interesting. Most of the murder mysteries you tend to see either take place in the city or in the woods or in the snow, places like that. But there's also this very scary kind of element to being out in the desert and you're all alone. And um, there's you, you're when you're out there, you feel this kind of, um, you know, prime, primordial, like very old, old, um, kind of feeling, you know? Um, so I wanted to do a, a comic, which, which had something to do with that setting. And then when she came up with the, the face blind idea for her FBI agent, we're like, let's combine this somehow. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's, and it's unique and it's, uh, yeah, it's a great palette to work from. Um, yeah. Five years. How long does it typically take to create, um, what you've written so far. I, I, I think you would. So because I'm looking at it online. Sure. Um, I'm not sure how to translate that to like an issue of a magazine. Yeah. Or a comic book. Yeah. It's um, if you're going to compare it to like professionals, um, you know, like Marvel, DC stuff you would find in a comic book store. Um, their production goes a lot faster because they have, a dedicated one dedicated writer um editors they have someone who pencils the page like they draw this is where this is going to look like da, da 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 then you have someone who inks it and then you have someone who colors it and then you have someone who puts the letters in so they have a whole team um that makes that uh process a lot faster so they're able to produce um I think a one book every month and a half or two months at most. And indie creators tend to do everything themselves, whether they're a small team or all by themselves. So they're doing, it's a one man team <laughs> for us anyways, like doing um, all these different hats that I wear. Um, I would say that also our life, events like I, I lost my job a couple years ago then we moved we're taking care of his grandparents so all of that kind of puts a pause in the development and the production but um on my current uh track that I'm doing right now like I think I could finish a book 
um, that's 36 pages in a month and a half. So, yeah, it's definitely definitely sped up a lot. Um, The first few years, I would say the first three years was all was just a bunch of research. And we we were very um, uh, we we didn't want to go fast and push our way into it because it is a murder mystery and you have to set up the um, the different you know clues along the way and the different um, plot points you want to hit. Um, so they build on each other. Um, and so, which is a terrible thing to do for your yeah. first book. I would never suggest anyone do a murder mystery for your first book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just had a lot of planning to do as well as learning how to, to do a comic. This was a, this was an idea we had, you know, we were holding so close to us that we really care about, like we wanted to do it right, like right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. So, but now, but now I think we're, we're getting on a schedule where, like she said, we're going to be able to turn it out a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what's the longevity of this? Do you think that, do you envision that Fink just goes on forever? Like we might have, you know, a hundred issues of Fink getting into, you know, different adventures, or do you have a story arc in mind that definitely concludes? There's definitely a story arc. Uh, his story will finish this whole mystery this quest that he's on um is definitely there's a definite end for this so um he i always imagine like spinoffs like oh maybe we could talk about his early days in the fbi but um or the sheriff like he's a he's another main character like what it's like living in rocket ridge but i think that mostly this is our first story and we we see where this is going and we're fully invested in it. So um, as much as I would like to see Fink and other things, I don't know. I can't imagine what his adventures would be. <laughs> well, I, so I would say to answer this question to you, like maybe 40 to 50 issues, like tentatively, not a hundred, but oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would say, I would say roughly 40. To 50. And how, yeah. how many are out now? Uh, seven. So six is completed. You read up to six. Uh, seven is is completed. You could buy a, uh, the PDF online, but it's going to start posting one page a week next next Tuesday. You, you're saying you've got seven out now and you might get to 40 total before this story is told? Yes. Wow. Okay, so there is a lot of Fink ahead of us. If my uh, listeners want to jump in, now is the time and it's something that is going to last for quite a while in your life. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if, if you have that like favorite thing that you wish never ended. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this could be it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Cause I mean, I was a little afraid as I'm getting into this, that it might end tomorrow and it's like, wow, this is such a great setup and I, I wish there was more, but there's definitely gonna be plenty more. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm hoping like when we have more, we could print it ahead of the web comic. So if people don't want to wait, it's kind of, you know, there. I think that's what excites us the most is because we've had such positive feedback to the six issues that are out already, but people have absolutely no idea what's going on yet. Like if you think you have an idea what it's, it's, you don't, you haven't seen anything about it yet. Like we have, we've been keeping the mythology and everything really close um, and not letting it get out yet. Cause when it does, when we do, give out what's actually going on. We want it to be like very impactful. Mm-hmm. That's why it's kind of a slow burn leading up to, to that because people are like, okay, slow, slow. So, and then issue nine, something's going to happen. That's like, 
whoa, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, whoa. <laughs> so. What happens with indie uh, producers like you? Is it uh, this idea that like music you might get discovered or is it purely a labor of love? And uh, I mean, do you want this to be your full-time career? I totally want this to be my full-time career. I, I like the idea. I was an artist um, for different companies doing like Facebook games and um, I've done... Um, uh, concept development for like Disney stuff like that. But I, I have so much joy creating my own content and my own stories. And I, I would love for people to discover it and it gets picked up, but really it is a labor of love because it's been, it has been going on for five years and um, a lot of, a lot of times like people probably would quit depending on how much, interaction or feedback they get from readers or their audience. And um, that had me concerned in the beginning, but I, I need to tell this story. And I love these characters so much. They feel so real to me. And um, I think as much as I would love for something to happen with it, I really just want people to discover it and read it and fall in love with it like me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but are there like... Um let's call it big comics who are, you know, have talent scouts out looking and maybe if you win this award or that award that raises you in their eyes and they come to you. And, and if that happens, do what happens next? Is it, they take the idea from you, they hire you to continue producing it, or do they just take your characters and give it to the team? Like, how does that work? I think, um, depending on, um, the publisher, but I mostly, uh, Indie creative um, publishers like Image, um, they take stories like The Walking Dead. So The Walking Dead is owned by uh, Robert Kirkman, and he's in charge of producing it. Like he writes it. He has a letterer and he has an artist and they all work together as a team and it's being distributed by image. So if we, if someone did approach us and say, Hey, we want to, we want to publish your book, we would still be in charge of it, of where it goes. They may have some input on how to, um, adjust things to make it more marketable. But for the most part, the creators, um, end up owning the, the character and the creation that they're doing. But the, the proceeds, like some things might be different um, depending on the publisher. Mm -hmm. So it might be 50-50, you and the publisher. It might be 100% you with the publisher. So it, it depends on um, the IP and um, what you want out of it. Mm -hmm. so. well, well, for now, I read it all for free uh, just by going to your website. Um, and, and it wasn't obvious to me how you would monetize it at all at this point uh you have a patreon i assume yeah i have a patreon and a coffee and a paypal if people want a tip um i did not want to put it behind a paywall because i want people to read it and know what they're getting themselves into so like i am i'm so confident people will love love the book, they will pay for it later. And, and that has worked. Like people read the comic and they love it and they see me at a convention and they buy the whole thing, even mm -hmm. though they know what it is, they just want to own it. And, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of the greatest things that happens to us is when someone says, okay, I'll, I'll try the first issue. And then they come back the next day and they're like, okay, give me the rest of them. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that, those kind of things really keep us going because mm-hmm. it shows that they get it. They get what we're going for. Mm-hmm. So at those conventions, you show up with hard copy that you can actually buy a bound book. Yes. Yep. yep. We have like little floppies of them. And so we have six of them right now. And yeah, so people come and get these. Yeah. Conventions are a lot of fun. I, I love conventions. I think that's one of the, this year has been hard because we were supposed to table at San Diego Comic Con, which is the largest Comic Con convention in the world. We were supposed to table there this year, but because of COVID, um, yeah. it got canceled. So next year we're slated to be there. I'm really excited about that. So hopefully that happens. Mm-hmm. But conventions are so much fun because it's so much fun to meet people in person mm-hmm. and just talk with them. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. What has the response been from the face blind community? Have you actually encountered anyone who was face blind who is reading the comic series? I've had a few people comment online um, that they're face blind, that they really like it, etc. But uh, earlier this year, uh, we're at a convention and I'm selling the books, and this uh, this person approached and they said. Uh, that they love the story. They really like um, uh, the depictions of the birds, etc. And I said, oh, great. Like, who's your favorite character? And she said, I like all of them, but I really like Fink. And then she kind of paused and she kind of pointed at her face and said, because of reasons. And then I realized what she was saying, that she was face blind. And we both just kind of started crying. It was very emotional at the booth and it was uh she was also a birder so she really likes fink because he he's face blind likes birds um it was it was amazing like people like my booth mates were like what's going on over there because it was so emotional and um i i I, I missed it and he missed it (laughs) (laughs) oh what a great story I have to say, if I if I have to pick a character, um, I mean, obviously, I like Fink. Uh, I don't know as much about him as I know about the sheriff this, at this point, though. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like the sheriff. I, I, I maybe uh, feel more like the sheriff. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's relatable. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. Can you buy the Bound book a website now if you choose to read it that way instead of online? Yes. Um, if you go to our website, you could you'll see the support the pail and you'll see options. And there's a store where you could um, click on it and it'll have our floppies. They're called floppies um, available. So. As well as merch. As well as some other merch. Like if you want mm-hmm. a poster or uh, a coffee cup. Stickers. <laughs> stickers. Yeah. We have really cute little chibi stickers. So, yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Can you tell, are you allowed to tell me why it's called the pale? <laughs> there's, there's a few reasons. It's a, it's a multi-functional um, title. I loved it. Like we were, it's so funny because I was calling it Fink for the longest time and, or no, I was calling it Rocket Ridge. He wanted to call it Fink. So we were like, um, uh, changing the script on the the title on the document, like you know, passive aggressively. Nah, it's mm-hmm. this and this. 
And then like for a whole year, we had no idea what the name was. And then he came to me with the pale and like the history of that, that, um, word word or beyond the pale beyond the the pale the term the term the pale and it it, like that was it like it hit so it part of it is because he's pale you know he's a white man and that goes to um also like uh the native americans when they're like oh that pale you know pale man whatever but i it's also that supernatural element of beyond of yeah. what is known so that's kind of there's also and also something else that we haven't really got to yet yeah yeah so, so <laughs> yeah so it's it's a nice multifunctional title yeah and it, and it makes people um you know like, like you just said like what is it what yeah. is the it makes people curious yeah so, so um like i also i don't know if people pick up on it but like you know a murder all these gruesome things are beyond the pale so the pales you know also like murder <laughs> you know bad things so yeah yeah i i'm really enjoying it um i meant to ask about this earlier um so you're since you're a full indie uh labor of love you taught yourself how to create comic books to start your first comic book mechanically how do you do it is it uh drawn on paper and then do you photo take an image of that or do you use an, a drawing program I, I respect people who could draw on paper. I am not one of those artists. I love digital. Um, I use a program called Clip Studio Paint, and it's similar to Photoshop, but it's geared towards making comics. And um, it's my one-stop shop for everything, like the book layout, um, the panels, how to make the panels, the lettering. So everything is done in that one program. And, um, yeah, I have a Cintiq, so I draw on the screen and yeah, I love it. I, I love digital art. So I, I, if I, I don't feel confined and like I'm wasting paper if I make a mistake. So yeah, very freeing. Well, um, I, I love it. Um, you've reignited, uh, the eight year old in me, but this is not for kids. It's an adult uh, story for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder what else I'm going to start reading after this. Uh, you may open my eyes to a whole other medium I've ignored for decades. <laughs> yes, there. whatever you're interested in, there is definitely a comic book out there for it. So. Yeah. Where uh, should people go to find information about the book, your social media, the online site for it, your web store, everything. I'll also include links in the uh, show notes. Um, you, you could go to thepalecomic.com. And from there, you'll find links to our social media, uh, Twitter, at, uh, at The Pale Comic, and Facebook, The Pale Comic, um, Instagram, The Pale Comic. So um yeah. And most of our information is on the website. So yeah, you can find everything there. <laughs> Great. Sanders, Jay, thank you so much for sharing. I can't wait to read more. Oh, thank you, thank Jess. Thank you so much. <laughs> for more info on this episode or prosopagnosia in general, visit faceblindpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.